you that you're a part of us being here. Uh, Pastor Don's out in Nebraska hunting turkeys, so I want to pray for him, but uh, uh, it's a great day, isn't it? Great day. Any day that there's not snow out there on the ground is a great day. I want to let you know a few announcements here before we get started. Uh, We have a workday planned for next week. So if you could come and help with the grounds, some of the things, see Justin or or Rod, they're going to start about 8 o'clock. And so we have a lot of things that we want to do to tidy up around the the building. And so if you can help out, that'd be great. You probably have seen the work that Justin has done over here in clearing all the other stumps. Uh, That's a a great work. It really cleans things up. Um, The youth would like me to announce that there's going to be a couple of limos out here. And so afterwards, the, they have several seniors that are going to be going on a dinner. And so Tim and Lynette and Ryan are taking them out there. So just try to, you know, not scratch the limo. They don't like that. Uh, but just to let you know what's going on, we don't, we don't have President Trump coming in or Biden coming in or anything like that. Uh, just to give you a heads up. Uh, tonight, there'll be no Bible memory or no youth group. So just to let you know that. Uh, last week's winner... For the kids' notes is Kelsey Lofman. So um, congratulations to Kelsey for doing a good job. And uh, just a couple of announcements. Uh, Vicki Doyle's dad died and Stephanie Johnson's uncle passed away. So uh, continue to remember them in prayer. And uh, we're just thrilled. We're just thrilled. I get to bring the word today. It's my annual event, if I'm lucky. There's such a deep bench here. And so we're, we're thrilled. So uh, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your presence being here today. We pray for a mighty move of your hand upon us, that you would visit us as we present our hearts to you. God, let your, your praise and, and admiration be upon your people. And we just pray for a mighty move of your spirit today, that the lost might be saved, and that those that are been bondage, bondage would be delivered. And we just thank you for setting the captives free in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. Go ahead and stand to your feet as we start worship.
by the things we go through in life. It is simply there, period. He is good, period. And when we're in this place of worship, we're here to declare who God is, what he did, what he is doing, and what he will do because our God has changed. We're going to introduce a new song this morning. It's called Jira. And if you don't know the name Jira, that's God's name, Jehovah Jireh. means God the provider. God the one who provides. And I know that each and every one of us right now is waiting, is praying, and is hoping for some type of provision. Is anyone else with me? We are all looking for a way. We're, we're praying, we're waiting for God to make a way. Whether it is in our finances, whether it is in our relationships, whether it is in our future the addiction that we cannot be free from, we feel like we're still trapped in it. And then whatever it is, we are all waiting and hoping for God to provide. But we need to have the faith that he will provide. You may not see the provision right now, but you are walking with a God who is provision. 
Jehovah Jireh, he is the provider. So as we go into this new song, just sing this with all that you have. Jireh, you are enough. I will be content in every circumstance because that's who he is. Amen? Yes, Jesus. Jehovah Jireh.
circumstance or trial I'm going through, God, you are faithful. No matter how much anxiety I'm going through right now, God, you are faithful. No matter how confusing my life is right now, God, you are faithful. God, you are faithful. Faithful, God.
bow before you. Yes, church yes come on lift up your voices this is the name of Jesus it's the name of Jesus name above our names the name that defeated hell death hell in the grave Yeshua Yeshua
time, sing Yeshua with all that you have. Yeshua. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you for your awesome power and your majesty and your glory that we can worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that you desire to fellowship with us one-on-one, -on -one, even when the world would despise us and reject us. You, Lord Jesus, died for us. We thank you, Lord. We give you praise and we give you glory. For you are so worthy of it. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a shout offering here. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. God is good. He is good. He is good. Hallelujah. We're going to dismiss the kids for Children's Church. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Our worship team does such a good job. So grateful. The, uh, we have a ministry night coming up end of this month. And uh, actually, is that, that's in May, isn't it? Ministry night coming up. And we're, we're just looking forward to uh, God moving. If you want to spend a little extra time, is it this month? Next Sunday. Yeah, next Sunday. There you go. Uh, ministry night. If you want to spend a little extra time in worship, and you want to maybe get a prophetic word, or you just want to be ministered to, these ministry nights started years ago. Uh, we just wanted to make an opportunity for God to move. With no agenda, no speaker, and uh, each one has been very unique. But the worship team plays for an hour, hour and a half, or hour and a half, two hours, and we just enjoy the presence of God. So I encourage you to come. It's a great, great opportunity. We have a great worship team, a great leadership, and uh, you know what? Their heart is to please God. And so uh, we're excited about that. Well, I am thrilled to be here and to give the word this morning. Uh, I can remember when we first start, helped start the church and Pastor Jay had to leave after uh, a month. I think he had something going on. He says, you're up. I was the backup preacher. And uh, we were at the FOP building at, back in those days. And, and uh, now we have such a deep bench, I'd be lucky if I get to preach once a year. But uh, it's a real thrill, uh, and, and so I want to share a, a message that God's given to me from 2 Kings chapter 6. If you want to turn to 2 Kings chapter 6, uh, we're gonna, I'm going to read some scripture here. It's a little long, but I want you to get the full story. We're going to start at, at uh, verse 24, and we're going to read through 7-4. And it happened after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his army and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria, and indeed they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver 
and one-fourth of a cab of dove droppings for five shekels of silver. Then as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him, saying, Help, my lord, O king. And he said, If the Lord does not help you, where can I find help for you? From the threshing floor or from the wine press? Then the king said to her, What is troubling you? And she answered, This woman said to me, Give your son that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. And I said to her on the next day, Give your son that we may eat him. But she has hidden her son. Now it happened when the king heard the words of the woman that he tore his clothes, and as he passed by on the wall, the people looked, and there underneath he had sackcloth on his body. Then he said, God do so to me, and moreover, also if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, remains on him today. But Elisha was sitting in his house, and the elders were sitting with him. And the king sent a man ahead of him, but before the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, Do you see how this son of a murderer has sent someone to take away my head? Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door and hold him fast as at the door. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? And while he was still talking with them, there was a messenger coming down to him. And then the king said, Surely this calamity is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Chapter 7. Then Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Tomorrow at this time a sea of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, In fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city. And if we shall die there, and we shall die there, and if we sit here, we die also. Now therefore, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live, and if they kill us, we shall only die. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the reading of the word. We pray for your blessing upon this message and that you would land it on fertile soil today. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. Well, that's a fun story, isn't it? (laughs) Didn't that just encourage you? Didn't you feel encouraged? The army of Syria had surrounded the city of Samaria for a long time, it says. The king was Uram, son of Ahab and Jezebel. So there had been a lot of wickedness in the land. And the leadership, he was wicked, but he wasn't quite as wicked as his predecessors, Ahab and Jezebel. It was so bad that people were willing to pay $45 for an unclean donkey head. Now, there's not a lot of meat on a donkey head. That's the last part you're probably going to eat. And they paid $2.80 in today's world uh, market for a cab, a quarter of a cab of dove droppings. Now, you got to be pretty desperate to want to eat some dove poop. But you know, these doves, they would go fly outside the city and land on and eat some, you know, uh, different seeds and stuff like that. So that at least they had some kind of nourishment. Now, it's pretty bad, but it was when, when desperation hit, 
When the king heard that a mother had boiled her son, it broke him. Cannibalism, too much. Desperation, fear, anxiety, worry was very high in that city. The Syrians were known for barbaric acts when they sieged the city. Oftentimes they would send messengers out to try to make some kind of a treaty. And they would cut the heads off the messengers and catapult them back into the city to try to make them afraid of what's coming. These guys were barbaric. When they would break through the siege, they would kill all the men and then take the women and children. It looked very bleak. Darkness appeared to be winning, and all hope was lost. But there was a prophet. The prophet Elisha was in the city. And the initial response of the king, when he, he was disgusted, he was angry. He wanted to take off the head of Elisha, the prophet. Why? Why was he so mad? Because he was mad at God. He was mad at God's representative. When things go wrong, oftentimes people blame the prophets. But it was more than this. It was more than this. Earlier in the chapter, in chapter 6, the Syrian army had been uh, doing raids and attacking different people, and, and the king of Israel had Elisha there to and Elisha would, would uh, reveal to him where they were going to attack, where they were going to raid. And, and so suddenly they, they, they would show up and nobody would be there. And so they started thinking, this, this other king, King Assyrius, started thinking, well, maybe there's somebody in my inner courts that's, what's, that's telling this word. And, and, you know, I got a leaker. But then they found out it was Elisha. Elisha, God was revealing to Elisha. And so I shared in 2012, Operation Open Eye, I talked about this story and how the Syrian army had sent, had came to capture Elisha at Dothan. And he had a, he had a, uh, a servant, Gehazi. And he was terrified because they were surrounding the city and, 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 and Elisha prayed and he was able to see an army of God, chariots, and horses up in the, in the mountains on fire. And he was saying, who's with us is more than who's with them. And as they came, he prayed for their eyes to be blinded, and he led them into this town, into Samaria. And, and the king said, then he prayed, and, and their eyes were open, and the king said, shall I kill them? And he said, no, no, feed them water, feed them food, you know, feed them, and send them on their way. And so he did. He showed mercy, and the people went back to their king, and the raiders stopped for a while. But this same king, King Ben-Hadad, he went back after him, and he surrounded the city and did a siege. So he was mad. He was probably thinking, I shouldn't have listened to him. I should have killed all those men back then and they wouldn't be surrounding my city now. I should have not given them all this food because we could have used that right now. He was angry. He was thinking that, you know, he helped the enemy out, empowered them, and now they're, now they're trying to 
surround the city. But Elisha prophesies that in 24 hours, things are going to go from good to bad, uh, from bad to good. That's the good news. And the market would have the normal prices for these commodities again. He goes on to tell the officer, the one officer says, uh, you're going to see it, but you're not going to eat of it. You're not going to participate in it. Now, there's four lepers out there, and it's believed that it was Gehazi because he, because uh, of Naaman, uh, back another story back, uh, Naaman uh, had leprosy, and, uh, and Gehazi went back. He did, you know, Elisha didn't take anything for that, but Elisha, uh, Naaman went, or I should say, uh, Gehazi went out and grabbed some stuff, and he said, okay, uh, Elisha says, I've seen it all. I've seen you do this. That leprosy is now upon you. So it's believed that it's uh, Gehazi, his, his servant, and his three sons. They had to stay away from others. That was what lepers did. They wore their old clothes. They had a covering over the lower face. And they had to stay four cubits away from, from other people. When they come into the area, they had to shout out, unclean, unclean. Keep a certain distance away. So no one was going in and out of the city, so that's where they had to stay, is out at the gate. They were hoping that they could beg for food. And this is where the food would come, their supply, their sense of nourishment. But there wasn't anybody doing it. The city didn't want them. The church didn't want them. The enemy didn't want them. I mean, the enemy, they could have used them for target practice. They were outside the city gates, but they didn't. They let them live. And they, they were despised and rejected. And they basically said, why are we still sitting here and die? Let's get up and take our chances. They were willing to face their fear and approach the enemy's camp. Now, salvation comes to these lepers. Let's, let's continue the story. This is the good part. 2 Kings chapter 7, verses 5 through 9. And they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirt of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noises of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, and their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one of the tents and ate and drank and carried it silver and gold and clothing uh, from it and went and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried some of the from that also and went and hid it. Then they said to one another, we are not doing right. The day is a day of good news and we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. So the, the camp was empty because God allowed these Syrians to hear the horses and chariots that earlier... Elisha had opened, uh, uh, prayed and opened Gehazi's eyes to see. They previously had their sight imposed upon this army, and now they're hearing by God. 
All those things by God. God had intervened in these situations. They thought it was the, the king who had hired other armies to attack them. Fear is a tremendous motivator that even God can use to his advantage. Amen? They ate and drank and carried off riches and probably even put on some of the new clothes because they were tattered. As they were carrying off, they were saved. They felt encouraged. They felt refreshed. They probably had food in their beards, you know, crumbs in their beards, and, and their eyes were lit up, I'm sure. But they had to share the good news. In 2 Kings chapter 7, verses 10 through 20, I won't read it to you, but it basically says that they, they went and they found, they, they talked to the people at the gate. The king heard about it. They sent out some messengers and they tried to track down the army. And as they were finding this army, they were seeing that their weapons and their clothes were still thrown out into the roads as they were going. And they came back and said, sure enough, the camp is empty. And then the town, the whole town went out to see this. And the one man that the officer was at the gate and he got trampled on and died. He heard about it. He probably seen the, you know, the crumbs in, the, in their beard, but he didn't get to participate in it. Just as Elisha had said, they were saved. So salvation came to not only to these four lepers, but the entire city was saved. And it says that the fine flour and barley were sold at normal prices within 24 hours of work what they had spoken. The city was saved by those that despise, they despised. It was saved in, in such a way that they never would have imagined. If they would have been said, hey, those lepers out there, they're going to save you, and oh, the whole army is going to be gone, but they're going to leave you all your food. It's like, yeah, right. The king even wondered, is this just a setup? Did they just leave a little bit and then come back and they'll, they'll attack us? Now, why do I share all that? This message has been on my heart for a while. And I share all that because America is under siege. Can you agree with me on that? America's been under siege for a long time. But it's become even more evident in the days that we live in. Our enemy is Satan. And he's the one leading the siege. He's a liar and the father of lies. In John chapter 8, verse 44, it says, You are your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. You can't trust him. He's a deceiver. What did he say to Adam and Eve? Maybe to Eve. Did he really say? Did he really say that? He loves everything evil. He's a schemer. In Ephesians chapter 11, we were told to put on the forearm of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. He does a lot of scheming. He's the accuser of the brethren. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, it says, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the king, kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of the brethren 
who accuses them before God day and night has been cast down. Jesus says the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy in John 10, 10, first part of John chapter 10, verse 10. He hates mankind. You know why? Because man was made in God's image. He's not your friend. He hates you. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your kids. And he can't stand you. That's the reality of the enemy that we are fighting, that we have in front of us. I had a dream. And in this dream, it was very real. I was laying next to a car. My shirt was off. I was injured. I don't know if I got into a car accident, but I was just kind of laying out in the... And it was in the street. And then I seen Samuel Jackson. <laughs> Nick Fury from the Avengers. The voice of Frozone. My friend. He came out with a gun, big old machine gun, come around the corner, and I thought, oh, yes, I am good. to be saved now. And he turned it on me. And he started shooting me. I felt the shots going into my body. And then, it, and then I thought, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he got up closer to me. He looked at me. He, had, he didn't have the eye patch on one eye. He had both eyes open. And he aimed it a few more times. And I felt the shot go into my heart. And I felt my heart stop. And I was just like, what is this all about? And I felt God say, that's the way Satan, he treats my people. If he had an opportunity, he would take you out. He would shoot you. He might not use physical bullets, but he's still aiming at the heart. Yeah. He's aiming at the head, and he wants to take those two things out. If he can take those organs out, he's got you. He's got you. He loves to put people in bondage, but he'll start out small. Just like a scammer. One time we had this scammer that uh, took like a... A dollar. Just he 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 got our account, checking account number somehow, or debit. I know it was our, our credit card, debit card, and and he put this little dollar amount in there, and they do that. They just want to see if anybody notices, see if it goes through, and and suddenly, you know, we didn't we didn't see it, we didn't notice it, but we was looking back through the records afterwards, and sure enough, that's where it started. Suddenly, we had these. $200, $300 expenses, and all of a sudden our checking account is overdrawn. It's like, what's going on here? Well, that's where they start. They say, can I get through? Can I get through the defenses? Or maybe they'll, you'll get on this website, you order this one thing, and you don't even know it, but you clicked on this button that automatically allows you them to draw $16.95 a month out of your checking account. If you're not paying attention and you're not looking at that thing, it could be a year or two down the road and say, where's the $16.95 coming from? It's a scammer. They're trying to get in and they're trying to take that money from you. That's just like sin. Sin is like that, isn't it? Oh, you can start with a little porn. Maybe you start with a little alcohol. Maybe you just start with a little drugs. It's not a, it's not a big deal. Why does he do that? He wants to get you hooked. 
If he can get you hooked, then he can put you in bondage. If he puts you in bondage, you're no good to this, the kingdom of darkness or to the kingdom of light, I should say. If you're in bondage, how can you free somebody else that is in bondage? Now, I started when I was a young teenager, had a friend, and his dad made homemade wine. Seemed innocent enough. We'll go to the house, go out into the little shack, drink some homemade wine. Then it wasn't enough to drink homemade wine. We had to have a little bit of beer. So later on, we found somebody that old enough to buy and bought some beer. So we drank some beer. Well, that wasn't enough. We had to get some liquor. So we got some hard liquor. Boy, that really did a number on you. You didn't have to drink all those beers to get a buzz. You just drank some hard liquor. And before you knew it, you were, you were wasted pretty quick. Maybe it started off with just some cigarettes. Then it started off with some marijuana. And, and then you ne never, before you know it, you're, drinking, you're, you're taking uppers and speed. That's the way the enemy works. He tries to get you hooked, get you in bondage, get you in a siege in your life so that you can't help others. You're in that city where darkness is, and, and you're of no good. You think those people helped each other? They were probably just curled up, and, and you know what, in, in a siege, sometimes they can go on for years. In a siege, they starve. They lose their strength. They can't fight back. So when the time that they finally break through, it's easy for the enemy to take them because they're, they're weakened. They're in a weakened state. That's the tactic of the enemy. Let's say someone cheats or steals without consequences. They may be emboldened to try something bigger. And they may even try something to the point where this is so big, I need to incorporate a lot of people to help me pull this off. That's, that's what happens when there's no consequences for our sin, our actions. Let's look at the current events inside our nation right now. You got lies and deception and stealing and riots and destroying, killing and pushing towards socialism. You got the 2020 election. These all work up with, line up perfectly with the works of Satan. Why is it that in every one of these riots, and we've seen it on CNN one time where there's a house on, or a business on fire in the background and this guy is standing there saying, it's mostly a peaceful riot. <laughs> Why is it that these rioters want to burn businesses with fire, cars with fire? It's because they desire fire, but it's the wrong kind of fire. Jesus came so that he would baptize you with fire, with the Holy Spirit. That's what he desires. The church should be all full of fire. That's what we desire. That's what we need. But oftentimes we find ourselves in the enemy's camp. We find ourselves working with the enemy. God doesn't desire that for his people. We have, a, we have a nation full of people that are hurting. They're addicted. They need Jesus. The nation has been in, under siege. We have an enemy that hates us. So Satan uses hate, fear, lies, and bondage. But Jesus uses love, peace, truth, and freedom. 
They are completely opposite of each other. Satan hate. He loves creating division. Blacks against whites, Asians, Democrats versus Republicans, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, white supremacists, and now genders with women against men. I heard recently that a person had said, well, you can't tell what gender a baby is when they're born. Come on! <laughs> That's about the easiest thing you can do. And you can do that with animals. Why can't we do that with people? People are so open-minded, their brains are leaking out, you know? Come on. Now, these are, these are lies from the enemy. These are lies from the enemy. And, and God uniquely designed a man and a woman. Uniquely designed them. And we find what that uniquely design is. And we can become a force. People devour each other with such anger and hatred. And this is his specialty. I had to think about it. You know, what if, what if down at the Marathon Station in Ottawa, a group of Amish men got together and say, Amish lives matter! <laughs> and they set the gas pumps on fire. Maybe they, they go in and they take the ice cream area and they set that ablaze. And they just get around, Amish lives matter, Amish lives matter. Now, I'm not saying that black lives don't matter. I'm not saying that at all. But Satan has used that to create division. Look at what, what happened to Jesus. Jesus had, he really upset the, the religious people, the Jews of that day. They stirred up the crowd and got them to shout out, crucify him, crucify him. They were so angry and filled with hatred. The same group of people that was saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, a few days before are now shouting, crucify him, crucify him, because it's the same spirit that we're hearing today. They had false witnesses. Then they paid soldiers to lie after, and saying that the disciples came and took his body away after he rose from the dead. Lying. Satan has used fear of death in the pandemic to keep us locked up. Our church took steps, necessary steps of precaution. We were shut down for three months. We had a group of around 10 people that, that did live stream for 10 months, and it was a powerful time. And when we, Don said, that, you know, I can't take anymore. I need some more people to preach to. <laughs> no, it just felt like it was time. And, and so they invited the, the elders to come in for two Sundays before they opened it up to the church. And the power of God was so strong. The presence of God was so strong. And it's been that way ever since. Ever since that time, the presence of God has been so strong. Now, there's still churches that are shut down today. And there's churches that don't even have live stream. Now, I know COVID is real. My, uh, my aunt, Tammy's mom passed away from that. Jeff Johnson passed away from that. My, my cousin Dwayne was in the hospital for a long time. I know it's real. But Satan has used this pandemic to his full advantage to create fear and st 
steal. He cheats, steals, and shut down churches. You know, there were some churches in California that the governor told them they can't even, they can't even sing. You can't meet, and you can't sing. You can't meet together. But they brought that through the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court has ruled in their favor now five times, saying religious freedom is to be given back to the people. Amen? Amen. So darkness, confusion, fear, control, manipulation, intimidation, lawlessness is his work. Who Who do you think is promoting defund the police. You think it's God or you think it's the devil? Let's defund them so that there's less of them and we can be more lawless. They've actually proven now in these big cities that did a reduction in their police force in the money that they couldn't respond to the emergencies. They had to cut back their number of people. And they said, well, wait a minute, we don't want that. It's like, uh, so we need to go back. We made a mistake. Let's just fund the police. Now, there's, there's bad police officers. But if you look at all the, a lot of these situations, uh, a lot of them were there, they had, it turned ugly, and the police had to use force. A lot of times it was resisting arrest. It's like, you want to avoid trouble? Then do what's right. But lawlessness would say, no, let's make it easier for me to be unlawful. Isaiah 5.20 says, woe to those who call good evil and evil good. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. who Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. So... Let's, let's change the law so that it's not immoral, it's, it's, it's not illegal anymore, and I can continue to do that. That's, that's the desire of Satan. Satan is desiring. To rule. Satan is trying to destroy America from within. He is laughing at us. He's laughing at this nation. This nation that was founded on godly principles. That if you go to Congress, you go to Washington, D.C., you see verses all over the place. You see Moses holding up the Ten Commandments. Satan is laughing at that. He's mocking us. He's mocking this nation. I want to have Breno come up here. I want to show something to, as an illustration. Something that God revealed to me. Now, I just wanted to show you something. This is something that we've seen quite often. I'm not going to make a, a stand for mass or not for mass. That's not my point. We're about six feet away. And, you know, we're not talking to each other. Matter of fact, they discourage you from talking to one another. Symbolically, Can you see darkness over my mouth? You see darkness over his mouth, keeping us six feet away. Six feet is four cubits. 
I should be saying, unclean, unclean. Six feet is what they say keep you in the ground. I want to bury you down six feet. This disease is so bad that people die on their deathbed, they have to be separated from loved ones. Fortunately, we have some good people that can share the good news with these people. Usually you get a chance at death. You know, somebody might come along and share the good news with you. It's this symbolism of, I want you to stay silent. I'm going to shut your mouth. I'm going to shut down your church. I'm going to keep you from speaking. Don't visit your neighbors. They might think you got COVID. They might think you spread this. Thanks, bro. It's just, a, just an example, just an illustration, a visual that as I was looking at that, I thought, what is Satan trying to do? Prophetic voices have been speaking during the pandemic. Has Satan heard God's plans through his people and said, well, we can't let that happen. We can't let the enemy, we can't let God have his way. Just look at what happened with the prophets who spoke about the 2020 election. They predicted that Trump would be the next president. And they were despised. They were ridiculed. They were looked down upon. God has been speaking a similar message, not necessarily about Trump, but a similar message about what God is going to do through many prophetic voices. Many are no-namers like Timothy Dixon or Mike Thompson, and some are celebrity prophets and not in, in the way that, that you would expect. Some want to say that they missed it, but God is wanting to do so much more than filling the White House with a particular political party. Amen? That's what I want you to look about, look at today. What have they been saying? There's going to be exposure. God's going to expose sin. God's going to expose wickedness. Do you think we would have known what the strategies, the schemes of the devil would be had things just gone through normally? Would we have, been, would we have seen some of the voter... Uh, election fraud, that's it's real. I've seen some evidence. But it's never gotten in front of the court system to be able to actually look at the evidence. Would we have seen that? Would we have discovered that? Would we have seen the, the push towards socialism to the extreme that we're seeing? A push back to Planned Parenthood, giving them money, a, a push for so many things that are not godly. And then there's judgment. Judgment is coming. That's something that's been spoken. And a third great awakening, a revival, is going to take place. Yeah. You know, the last one was over 200 years ago. America's overdue for a great awakening, a great revival. God showed me this 20 years ago or so, and it's like I've been waiting a long time. Come on. But God has that on the agenda. So... What, what did we see with Trump? What did he do that ticked off the enemy so much that they would try to sabotage him even before he became elected? What was it? He held up a Bible once. He pushed for, uh, 
for the religious freedom. He, he wanted lives to be saved. He, did, he stopped defunding Planned Parenthood. He was a friend to the Israel. There was things that he did. You might not like him. And I asked the question, why? Is it because he was arrogant and said things? Was it because he was a businessman? Was it the things that he acted so childish on? God can work on the heart like that. But when you look at what, what did he actually do? He wanted people to be out of poverty. He wanted them to have a job and to work. Now, that's a little bit different than what we have in front of us now. There's a big push. We have a second in charge of the health is a transgender person in our, in our administration. I'm not saying that God doesn't love everybody. He does. But you just have to look at the evidence. As Christians, as believers, we have to look upon the evidence. And I encourage you to, to look at that. So God's timing is always perfect. You know, he heard that Lazarus, his friend, was sick. But he chose, Jesus chose, to wait a few more days. Why? He wanted to make sure he was very dead before he came and visited his friend. Now, you might say that's not very nice. He could have came and healed him. He was healing everybody else. But he chose to raise Lazarus from the dead. What about Moses? Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt. And when he got to the Red Sea, the Egyptian army came in behind them, and it looked eminent that they were going to die. But they went across on dry ground, went across the sea. God supernaturally touched that sea, and they went across. That's one miracle. The second miracle is the Egyptian army followed them, and were, they were killed. All the water fell back on them. Some say, well, the area that they went across was only six inches deep. What's well, a greater miracle to kill a whole Egyptian army with six inches of water? <laughs> wow. So God's timing is always perfect. It might look evil. It might look like desperate times, like, like the king was saying, Elisha, why aren't you calling out for this siege to end? Why aren't you bringing down fire? Why, why don't you do something about this? I think uh, trying to get his head taken off did motivate him a little bit to say, why, I think you'll see it within 24 hours. Which goes to show that the king may not have called upon the prophet to speak. God is willing to speak. God has been speaking. And it sounds like maybe the only ones listening is the devil to hear what the art marching commands is. Now, how many have seen the movie It's a Wonderful Life? 1946 movie. Got a, got a couple people that have seen it. That's a wonderful movie. George Bailey lived in Bedford Falls, and he always wanted to get out. He wanted to leave, and he was the leader of the Bailey Building and Loan. And one time, and he had helped a lot of people out in, in his community, gave them money and loans and helped them have their own houses, even though he didn't want to be there. But one time, Uncle Billy left the money that he was supposed to deposit, and he lost it. 
Mr. Potter found that money and basically kept it to himself. And all of a sudden, they had to run on the bank, and this was bad. This was bad for business, and, and uh, he was really afraid. George didn't know what to do. So he went to Mr. Potter, the enemy, who had stolen the money, and asked him, what do I do? What can I do? Can you help me out? And, and not only did he steal the money, but then he, he said, I'll help you out. I'm going to call the police on you for you stealing the money. He accused him of stealing the money of something that he had already done. And so he ran out of there and, and tried to get away, and he was at a point of desperation that he decided, I'm going to end it all. It's too bad. And he tried to jump off a bridge. Fortunately, God had sent Clarence, an angel. He was a second-class angel, angel, hadn't had his wings yet. He sent him to help him out. And so he jumped in, and uh, actually they end up saving him. But make a long story short, he, he had said, I wish I would never have been born. And Clarence said, well, that's a good idea. And so they end up doing that. He went through the, the second part of the movie is he went through the town and tried to see, find people that he knew before and things that he had, his life had impacted them before. But they didn't know him. And things were not the same. He didn't have his wife. He didn't have his children. He had businesses. There was so many things. It was called Pottersville. It was horrible. Horrible experience. And at one point at the end, he said, Clarence, I want to live again. I want to live again. And he got a second chance. It's like he was born again. He got a second chance in life. And he went home and he saw his kids, his wife, and he was so thrilled. And, and the town, uh, the people that were there to arrest him, said, hey, I'm there to arrest you. I got this warrant for your arrest. And his wife come in with a bag of money and all the townspeople started coming in and giving him money. You helped us out, George. Here, I'm going to give you some money back. And anyway, they raised enough funds that he could pay back everything and they, they, the uh, people that were there to arrest him, they were celebrating, they were joyful, and the people that were there to arrest him were suddenly drowned out. You couldn't hear the voice of the enemy. You couldn't hear that voice. And they tore up, they tore that warrant up and they pitched him some money and joined in the celebration. That's what I think is going to happen in America. There's going to be so much celebration that all these naysayers, all this evil is going to be, what are they doing? We're here to destroy you. We're going to kill you. No, you're not. Jesus is going to set us free. And he delivered me. He set me free. You're going to see revival like you haven't seen before. It's been 200 years. It's time. God spoke to me. He does periodically. And I wrote it down. And I want to read it to you. It was just last week as I was preparing for this message. He said, I'm going to take a drink before I read that. He said, I have seen the wickedness of my people across this nation. I am not pleased. My heart is for all to draw near to me. 
That is why I came, to make a way for them to come. I am making a way in the wilderness of life. My people must share the good news. If you are my disciples, you must share. I have created an atmosphere that they will listen. But my people must go and tell what I have done for them. I have reserved for me a remnant that has not defiled themselves by the world. I am giving more of my anointing upon these people. Get ready, for it's about time. It may look like it is darkness that is winning, but he is not. He can only go so far, and I have used him and his wicked ways to expose him even more. I have opened eyes to the wilderness that is unleashed, but he will not prevail. Do not get discouraged, my son, for help is on the way. Amen to that. I have seen it all and know that what this nation needs, it needs me. I stand on the coast and blow my breath of life across this land. Arise, mighty warriors, and fight for me. Like Josiah, tear down the false gods, those things that have defiled the land, the sacrifices to convenience and money. You cannot serve two masters. Look to the White House, for my judgment will begin there. I have reserved a remnant that will share the truth. It is the truth that will set men free. I love mankind. I desire for all to come to me. But there will be mockers and wicked men who will die in their tracks and not enter the kingdom of heaven. They have stirred up much wickedness that I despise them. They will not come in, but there is still hope. Yes, I saw that what lies and deception and stealing that took place recently, and I will not be mocked. I will restore. I will reward the faithful. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I desire obedience. Come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. God is speaking, and he has been speaking loudly. Those that put dates to a, to a prophetic uh, word and it doesn't come to pass, it's a little dangerous, a little risky. And so, but God is still speaking. And as believers in Christ, we have the Spirit of God in us and we have that ability to discern what is truth and what is false. So I encourage you to use that. In Amos chapter 3, verse 7, it says that the Lord does nothing unless he reveals his secret to the prophets. We are like lepers. Aren't we? We are like lepers. Changing to, from the prophetic voices now to we are like lepers. Some of you may feel like lepers. You feel like outcasts. You're rejected by the middle class by the religious, and by the enemy. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us have been in that position. If we're not believers in Christ Jesus, we've sinned. Well, we still sin. But praise God that he, his grace is sufficient for us. Maybe after divorce, you're trying to come clean from alcohol, drugs, or porn, or or life or of evil. And you're just trying to get back and you feel like everybody's against you. Nobody loves me. Maybe you feel like you left that city of bondage, but you have no place to go. The world doesn't want you and you feel you can't approach a loving God who would see you as the enemy. Well, be encouraged by this. In Romans 
5.10, it says, For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through life? Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans, or John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17 goes on to say, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So yes, in God's mind, in God's heart, all lives matter. Not just engineers. Engineers' lives matter too. We're not all geeks. But all lives matter. Every single person. I think they were on the right track, but they were hijacked and heading in the wrong direction. The lepers had to make a choice. Do we sit here and die, or do we get up and face our fears and hopefully live? In 1992, God spoke to Pastor Don that same exact thing. At a very low point in his life, God spoke to him. I asked him, what, what exactly was it? I wanted to get it right. He said, God spoke to him and said, you can sit here and sit there and die or get up and walk with me and live. And it wasn't long after that that he gave his heart to the Lord. And Lisa, soon after that. And we're so grateful that they did. Because not only did they give life to Donna, Lisa and their family, but also to this congregation and to so many people across the world. God has been moving and that's a very powerful message I think that God is speaking to us today. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he's saying, can you, are you going to sit there and die? You're going to get up, walk with me and live. Amen? So Nancy, uh, sometimes you have to face your fears. Sometimes, you know, they were afraid to go into the enemy's camp. Well, the enemy's camp in a world that we live in today is, is like church. Maybe they're used to going into bars and uh, strip clubs and feel comfortable with that, but going to church, oh, I could never do that because God's the enemy. I, I'm, I'm unclean, unclean. But God loves everyone. So Nancy had to face her fears. Uh, we recently, we went to Gatlinburg and uh, she's uh, afraid of heights and, you know, I was looking for a little adventure in my life and she kind of knew that. And so we kept looking at this sky lift that goes all the way up the mountain. And then there's a sky bridge that goes across. And I was thinking, boy, that sounds like a lot of fun. And we kept walking by, and, you know, I would throw it out every once in a while. And then finally she says, you know, near the end of our trip with Seth and I, I would be willing to go up that mountain. But you better hurry up and take advantage of that offer. <laughs> so we got in the got on the lift and she was terrified and uh, she had a, she had, we had her mask on but they had a picture at the top that they would take as you're going across off the lift 1800 feet in the air and so Seth and I took our masks off and we smiled real nice and she was terrified she was hanging on and she didn't she was like this you were hanging on to both sides uh, she didn't want to take the mask off because she would have to let go <laughs> so she kind of looked like tape face if you ever seen tape face you know she was like <laughs> 
But we, we got up to the top, and I was real proud of her. She was facing her fears. Lynette, you would appreciate that. We, you guys should do this sometime. And we got up there. The nice thing is it was foggy on that day, so you couldn't see quite as much when you're up at the top. So then we started walking across the sky bridge. And uh, Seth and I are walking. Seth's taking off ahead of us. And so Nancy and I are walking. And she says, as long as, I can, as long as we keep moving, I'll be fine. And so she had her head down, and we were moving. And all of a sudden, the line stopped. There was a bunch of people ahead of her. And then it starts swaying back and forth like this. And I was videotaping her, and I stopped it right as she turned and looked the other way and started going, I can't do it. So she got a little ways into it. So sometimes you have to face your fears. And you know what? When we were up there on the way down, we got to see the town from a different perspective. We were at New Heights, and, and suddenly it became clear. And what we were, when we were going up this way, you could only see the mountain. Uh, but when we were on our way down, you could see the town. I thought it was really cool. She, she thought it was terrifying going down, worse than going up. But I appreciate her willingness to give me a little adventure in my life. And uh, we, had a great, we had a great time. I don't know if it was a great time for you, but it was a great time. Yeah. Some of you may feel fine because you're middle class. You've got everything under control. You've got your money, your your job, you, you got your health insurance, you, you're taking care of your family, you got your 401k. You don't really need God. But there is a problem. There is a problem. And that problem is found in Colossians chapter 2, 13 through 14. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all of us uh, no, I'm sorry, that's a different one. Uh, let's look at Isaiah chapter 64. I'll say that one for later. Isaiah 64, 6. But we are like, all like un, an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind has taken us away. Problem is you have a sin problem. You have to have your sin, sin covered in order to get to heaven. Now Jesus said if there's only one way that you can get there is he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except by me. There's only one way you can get there if without Jesus, and that is to be perfect, as your Heavenly Father is perfect. And really, that's, that's not going to happen. You can't be perfect. So you need Jesus. You need somebody to step in the gap for you. So salvation is the next point. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no man may boast. It's a free gift. It can't be earned. It can't be deserved. It's for all mankind. Romans 9 and 10 says, Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says that now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Don't put off today what you can do. Don't, don't put off till tomorrow what you can do today. I encourage you, get a part of the team. Going back to John chapter 10, verse 10, the full thing, it says, the thief, Jesus is saying, the thief comes only to kill, to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. So those are the two extremes. You have the enemy and you have God. Jesus gave up his own life that you might live. And many of us have accepted that free gift of salvation. 
and are living that abundant life and enjoying that. We're enjoying that, aren't we? There's a uh, video on YouTube. You can search for it. It's a, it's a video of Jesus healing a leper. And um, we're going to actually play the link or post the link on Facebook afterwards and stuff. It's a little bit too long. You can't play it on YouTube. But it's, it's a very powerful time. It's very moving because Jesus not only wants to embrace you as a person, um, he wants to talk with you. He wants to fellowship with you. He wants to heal you and embrace you as a friend. Not only that, but he wants to give you life. He wants to give you life abundantly. Why should you wait to your deathbed to experience salvation when you can live the eternal life now? You can begin that process now and enjoy the fruit of God's blessings. 1 John 1.9 says, when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So there's a cleansing that takes place. This leper, it was on the chosen. So if you want to search for the chosen, the leper being healed. Very moving scene. He had to stay his distance six feet away. But he said, if you're willing, you can heal me. And Jesus broke through the six feet. And he spoke to him, and he touched him, and he embraced him and he was healed. God is doing a supernatural thing right now across this land. We are challenged to share the good news. Just like these lepers shared the good news. The city's deliverance came in a way, in a package that they didn't expect from the four lepers. Just like Jesus' is. Uh, Jesus was the world's deliverer. He was born in a stable and was the son of a carpenter. He didn't come in the package that they were expecting. Jesus entrusted the gospel to his disciples to share it with the world. And we must tell what God has done for us. Or we would be just like the four lepers who kept all that food to ourselves while the city starved. You think they could live with that? You think Gehazi as the servant Elisha could live with the fact that he was indulging himself while his friend Elisha was dying? No. We need to change our priorities as Stephanie Johnson shared with me this morning. We have to change our priorities in order to allow for a time for God to move. Back in the 80s, there was a lot of evangelism that was going on. We got evangelism and explosion. Uh, my dad's here, mom and dad, and uh, he, he led, helped lead that with Jim Carpenter over at Locust Grove. We got trained in it. We were seeing people get saved. We were intensely going out into the community. We had uh, Christian rock concerts everywhere, uh, Cornerstone, 1984. 1985, 1986, we were going over there and they always gave altar calls. And people were getting saved. But let me tell you something. It's back. 
is back. Revival is taking place. When God gave me words about revival taking place across the world, I had to think, what event is going to happen to awaken the whole world? But God is using COVID to get their attention so that they realize that it's not government that's going to save them, but they need a higher power. They need Jesus. Mario Murillo, Murillo, he's an evangelist, and he's sharing in California. They start a uh, revival today in Modesto, California. And he's had uh, tent meetings. He's putting up big tents. Tents are back. And he's putting them out in the community. And he's going into California, sending a team of people that are inviting people to the tents. And he's had uh, like two or three revivals already in different cities. And they started out with a small group of pastors together. And they started seeing hundreds come to, to salvation. Then they had a group of 70 pastors in a bigger town, and they got together, and, and they started seeing 1,400 people come to Christ, and, that, and they're filling these things. They had a meeting recently where they had 700 pastors come together as they're going into this Modesto, uh, Modesto California. It's like over 200,000 people in this area. And he has seen salvations. He's seen healings. The supernatural is taking place. While the churches in California were shut down, the hunger for the truth is being revealed. The hunger is increasing. And, and that's what he's saying. I've never seen such hunger. Uh, we had this, another guy, the traveling uh, minister. He was down in, in Tennessee, and they did this out uh, port. Uh, they did a concert outside, and they are seeing the same thing. There's so much hunger. That's what this has done. It's like feeding yourself with a bunch of potato chips. You just desire something to drink. God has been using the situations to prepare the hearts. We can't count on the government or superheroes in our life. In this great cancel culture we live in, there's only one thing that we need they have canceled, and that is our sin. In Colossians 2.14, that's the one I wanted to read. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your faith, the flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us of all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. The message version says, all sins forgiven, the, state, the slate wiped clean, that old Arrest warrant canceled and nailed to the cross. Like George Bailey, arrest warrant getting canceled, ripped up. That's what God desires. The only superhero we need is Jesus because he saved the whole world. We need all the evangelists bondage free and ready to, to speak. If you're an evangelistic calling in your life, God's probably sedated you, kept you from being free because you're a threat to the enemy. He's going to come after your family in ways you never imagined. You're probably going to struggle with drugs and alcohol, pornography. You're probably going to struggle with those things because Satan knows he can keep you bound up.
keep you from sharing because if you share and you're under those things, your testimony is, is not very valid. So this is how we're going to change America. It's going to be one soul at a time. You want to change America? You got to start getting people saved. You got to lead them to Christ. Because if you get people saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, they're going to make wise decisions. They may not be out there trying to murder each other and hate each other, but they're going to love each other. It's completely different. Jesus loved Christ, or loved the world so much, this much, that he gave his, God gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. One final scripture I want to read to you is Matthew 24, 9 through 14. Jesus described this at the end of the times. Then they will deliver you up to tri tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended. Sound familiar? We'll betray one another and we'll hate one another. Sound familiar? Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of most will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel, this gospel, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to the nations. And then the end will come. We fight hate with love, fear with peace, lies with truth, and bondage with freedom. As Sir William Wallace of Braveheart yelled out, they will never take our freedom! Will you sit there and die or get up and walk with God and live? That's the question that God is saying. Joshua declared, choose this day whom you will serve. He went on to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Escape the siege. Let Jesus free you from your bondage. Join the family of God and live. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Amen. I'm going to ask uh, Josiah to come up and, and close this out. My cousin Josiah Stoffer. It's uh, funny, I, I didn't even know what he was going to preach on today, but I've got Isaiah 61. <laughs> so this is, uh, this is about Jesus, our, our true Savior. We've got two people that are talking to us, not people, but two, two things that are talking to us. We've got the devil and he's whispering lies constantly. He's condemning you to what you believe and he's condemning you constantly. And then we have our good Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he is speaking nothing but truth. And uh, Isaiah 61 says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them beautiful headdresses instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint heart. Amen. And so this is what Jesus came to bring, life and life abundantly.
So some of us are here today and we need to make a commitment. And I'm telling you, you can't walk out these doors without making that commitment. I've made it and uh, my life has forever changed. But I'm, I'm calling today and God is calling all those who have not accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. All those who are living in sin currently. All those who have followed Jesus but have walked away. All the self-righteous who are doing religion without Jesus. We're calling you today. Jesus is calling you. Yeah. And so I invite you, everybody, if you would stand up. And, uh, and those who feel this call of the Lord, I invite you to come forward. We're going we're gonna to pray over you. Let's make a commitment. Okay, so uh, we're going to, uh, I'm going to lead you in a prayer to accept the Lord into your heart. And then when worship starts, come on forward and we're going to start praying over you. Okay? Dear Heavenly Father, if you would pray this prayer with me. <laughs> uh, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your forgiveness. I accept your forgiveness. I confess my sin to you. And I confess that you are the Lord of my life. I died to myself and I'm alive to you today. Live on the throne of my heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship.
Father, we thank you so much for all that you've done. We give you praise and glory. Lord, I just pray for those that are new converts right now, God, that they would reach out to another believer or come to church or let us know online you've given your heart to the Lord. Just message in there on the live stream. But I pray for the evangelists inside this room. In Jesus' name, I pray, God, that you set them free and that they would speak forth your word. I pray for every believer that they would share their testimony. Father, for it is the power and anointing, the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, that we are saved and by we overcome the enemy. So I just pray for a releasement of your spirit right now in Jesus' name. Just pour it out. God, right now in Jesus' name, set them free. Set them free. And give them boldness. Give them courage. In Jesus' name, let's be the light of the world. In Jesus' name, let's go forth in the power of your anointing. In Jesus' name, scatter the schemes of the enemy in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, God. We thank you for all that you're doing and all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, and God's people shouted, Amen! Now go make a difference in this dark world.